a bed. He's so imaginative, so magical. Everybody hide the hamburgers. If a bed sees a hamburger, we'll all travel in time. Let's eat cookies and ice cream and dress in pajamas in the middle of the day. I watched my third wife die. Good morning, Greendale. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike, and here are your morning announcements. Today we're talking about Community Season 5, Episode 7, Bondage and Beta Male Sexuality. But enough about our hosts. Why don't we get into the (laughs) show? (laughs) Okay. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. It's also a joke on me, too. Um, anyway, it's time for Outsourcing Mike's Bits. <laughs> the, uh, there's a little bit of anger coming off of Ben right now, and I don't, I don't blame him. You know, it's, 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 but when you have a podcast that has Outsourcing Mike's Bits, you gotta know who you are. Um, give me the shuffle and the stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that good, good shuffle. Again, not foleyed. Oh, yeah. Welcome to what will most inevitably be the uh, absolute most combative episode of Good Morning Greendale that's ever been recorded. <laughs> we, we, we've, we're starting off on a good note. Oh, oh God. <laughs> this is possibly the best one for this, uh, this episode. Okay. Or probably the worst. I don't know. Now, Ben, would you rather spend a year living at a nudist colony or within the Amish community? Naked or Amish? I mean, so originally I was going to say this is a very easy question to answer because, like, you know, it's no secret here on this podcast. I've done the Portland Naked Bike Ride every year that since is true. Uh, 2017. Um so I don't, I don't have a problem with that, and I do love my my internet um, quite a bit. True. But also, um, the world is a mess. Um, to quote Sebra- Sebastian the Crab in the 1989 film The Little Mermaid, the human world is a mess. Um, Fair. I imagine and, they also say it in the upcoming one, but we haven't seen it yet. And. So most of that mess comes from the fact that I am tied to my phone all the time and get constant updates about how everything is on fire forever. I wouldn't, I wouldn't the really would. So yeah. Uh huh. I, I wouldn't really mind like it would, it would take, I'd have a withdrawal period for sure. But there's a part of me that's like, Ben, just go, just go hang out with the Amish for a bit. Like, Get get digital detox, man. Just like get away. But in reality, I I don't think I could make it a whole year. Um, but uh, I could do a year at a nudist colony. That wouldn't be a problem for me. I'd be fine with that. Part of me is like when when you leave, you'll be you'll have to be like dragged out of there. Like no no, take these pants off of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want them. They're constrictive. I mean, I did uh, one day go to put on um, my pants, and 
as I as I put my leg through the uh, one of the the leg holes in the in the pants there, um, mm-hmm. a spider came out of the bottom, and at that point oh, no. I was just like, maybe I never want to wear pants again because um, you know uh, pants are just a trap, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to deal with that if I just never wore pants again. I feel like this is a Spider Man villain origin story. You know, nude man uh, was like because there were too many spiders in his clothes. He was he was bitten and- by a totally normal spider in his pants and was just like, I'm never wearing pants again. And I hate spiders, including Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, I wasn't going for the like, You, I will mirror Spider-Man with the biting. But like, there's always so many spiders on his clothes. He gets rid of all his clothes and blames Spider-Man for all the spiders. You, you, mm-hmm. we're, we're on the same page, I think. Um, mm-hmm. That I uh, Marvel, uh, please contact at Good Greendale uh, so we can write this uh, uh, Spider-Man comic for you and then uh-huh. immediately have it pulled from shelves. Um, you know, let's just, let's hop right to the movie because like, Ooh. if I know, if I know one thing about Hollywood, it's that, um, audiences really want to see a totally nude villain played by a 37 year old bald dude with a, with a beer gut and a just total dad bod vibe. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Hollywood wants right now because I mean, the the reason they keep rebooting everything is because they just don't know what they want. But you know right, what? But this I is show what up they want. We found totally it. butt naked playing the villain. They're gonna be like, we found it. This is this is Hollywood three point Um I do I, I do like the idea that you will be playing this uh villain and not like they'll be like I love the Moxie. I love it. I love the character, but we're gonna have to go with Jack Black. I didn't consider Jack Black as competition, and now I'm very nervous that he's going to take my role as Nude Man, the Spider-Man villain that definitely exists. I will say this, to be up against uh, Jack Black and be favorable, uh, be somewhat in that conversation, it's a big compliment to you, friend. It is um, It is pretty astounding that, you know, if I'm ever up against Jack Black for anything, I will have done pretty great in life. Um mm-hmm. Because uh, they didn't even they didn't even contact me about playing Bowser in the Mario movie, despite my right. flawless Bowser impression. Uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Hey Mario, I stole Princess Peach again, so come to my castle and save her. That's pretty good, right? That's not bad. You know, I right? was I was expecting uh, something uh, worse. Honestly, uh, I figured I was going to get a joke and not just like you're going to go nope. for it. <laughs> no, nope, because like I, I was I was considering whether this was going to be a joke. And then partway through, I was like, no, I think I can try this. Right. Um, y- it's not you, it's you, not you, like my my Mario voice where I'm just like Mushroom Kingdom. Here we come. You know, I'll also say this. this that's a better uh, voice than Chris Pratt. Now, for me, on the nudist colony or Amish, it's clearly nudist. I can't... I have to... I, I'm, I gotta have my computers. Mm-hmm. I love the computers. I can't have... I, I, I'd, immediate, I'd have to go on immediate rumspringa, and I don't think they allow that. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you gotta, you've got to do your time first, I think. Um, yeah. And then, and, you I, get, I, and then you get the rumspringer. And, then and you, I'm not going to yeah. do the crime. 
You know, mm-hmm. honestly, mm-hmm. if it if it includes building a, a barn, I'm out. Thank you. Sorry. Goodbye. The only barn this guy wants to build is in Stardew Valley while wearing no pants because he no went pants. to the nudist colony. Let's go to the podcast colony where we're talking about season five, episode seven of Community Bondage and Beta Male Sexuality. Damn, I didn't realize um, the podcast had colonialization in them. So this episode is mostly about Duncan trying to get with Britta. Uh, There's also a side story about Abed and Hickey sort of having some emotional dialogue about Mm -hmm. each other's lives. And there's a little mini plot. And about Jim the Duck. Don't forget about about Jim the Duck. duck. Uh, Thank you. Um, uh Uh, Publishers are interested. Um, Very interested. And not just a misinterpretation of a form letter. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then just we like, also just like the, form, the the interest we're getting for for nude man. Yeah, exactly. Um, publishers are interested. Uh, mm-hmm. We also get a tiny little side plot with Chang, where he accidentally becomes a one man show, and then the janitor says that he performed for ghosts, and then the ghosts tell him that actually the janitor is the ghost, and then he freaks out. And that's pretty much. I just described the whole plot. You you did much. the plot. I do, since we've done that plot, I wanted I want I offer some notes on that plot. Yes. I love it. It's very good uh, for him to like open a door, ha- accidentally turn into a one man show. But I hate the fact that they turned it into a ghost story rather than just letting him be good at a, being a one man show. Like yeah, I I I, 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 I kind of wanted it to come back every so often where he's telling a new story. But I, mm-hmm. I see that I, I get the escalation of the joke of like, it's a it's ghosts or is the janitor a ghost and he's believing the ghost. Is he a ghost? Like, I get it. But I kind of wish it was it had been like, we don't need to do that much. We can just do right. one man show Chang being very good. But right. That's, because that's my I, preference. I agree with that, actually, because I love the joke where he gets a call. So they're at the theater because they. The backstory is they all go to this theater because Duncan tries to get with Britta by going to this show that benefits um, uh, was it? It uh, starving with kids cleft with pal- cleft palates. Oh. Um, okay. I added the so, orphans accidentally. Um, they may have been orphans. Who even knows? It's Friday night. What's everybody doing? Oh, there's a benefit show at the Forefront Theater in Riverside for starving children. With cleft palates. Oh. Uh, and so they all go to this show, and then after the show, Cheng gets a call from his ex-wife, I think. Um, I think so, yes. And that he immediately starts arguing with her and like yelling, and he tries to find a uh, kind of secluded room to like have this very personal, very intense conversation and mm-hmm. wanders onto stage mid argument with his ex-wife. Which and, is just a door in the hallway, by the way. It's just, right. it doesn't physically make any <laughs> sense, but it's amazing. And I love this as a joke because I, and I mean, this especially has to be true for people who are writing the show and making the show because, you know, they're all LA people, right? Like right. if you, ever talk with someone even i mean i was gonna say in the industry but even just like um 
you know, who live in L.A., like everyone in L.A. knows someone where you've had to go to like their one man shows. Maybe you've put on a one man show yourself. Mm. You have probably sat through so many one man shows after living like three years in L.A. Like it's got to be it's got to be so many one man shows. And so I just don't understand how they keep getting the space to do it. Uh, ghosts. Um, so, uh, there it is. so you have to be you have to be watching all these one man shows. So I have to imagine tons of people working on this show have been to one man shows that start with like in media res, just like an argument, on ar- the phone. an argument on the phone, or just like someone walking on stage, like just after a fight with their with their ex or mother or you know whatever. And just mm. the setup to this is like this is someone's lived experience of being maybe they did their one man right. show like this, but probably they've been to a one man show where like it starts like this and we're just living their their experience now. And so that level makes it feel so real in a way community yes. often doesn't feel real. Yes, and absolutely. So the fact that he just has this argument and then hangs up the phone, and then the audience claps. And at that moment, he realizes he's doing a one-man show. Um, and then he turns into it. He <laughs> steers into the skin, which is the best part of that entire... Like, the subplot is great, and I, I wish it was... You know, like, I've, mm-hmm. I've already offered my my reasons for it to change. But, man, the way... The moment he realizes he's doing a one-man show, and instead of freaking out, he kind of, like... Well, I'm gonna tell you a story about when I was a kid. It's like uh-huh. it's like perfect. It's absolutely perfect. This is not happening to you, okay? It's happening to us. Well, you called me. Well, then let me be the one to do this. My mother used to tell a story about how she killed a chicken. Hong Kong, 1964. Um, And apparently he does well because at the end, he comes back out of the door. The audience is clapping. He's hyped up because he just gave this great impromptu (laughs) one-man performance. Um, And then, yeah, then it turns into the, like, ghost thing, which is... It it's weird because it is a funny plot. Like sure. The idea that like oops, you just performed for all these ghosts and then they're like no, the janitor who told you were ghosts is the ghost. But it's not as fun as a payoff as just getting more glimpses of Chang doing a <laughs> yes. one man show. Exactly. Because instead of being like oh, the audience is ghosts, you know, cuz he he starts with this fight with his ex and then he goes into a story of his mom told him about um uh killing a chicken in in hong kong when she was a girl um and like you can just ramp that up with just more and more insane chang stories and like and it's and it's chang so of course um and so like by the end he's just like half naked and like screaming at the sky and like we don't know how he got to this part of being half naked and screaming at the sky um but then like at the end he just kind of 
just drops down to the to the stage and the audience claps and then just like like how did this what was this one man performance that's the story i want to see not the ghost thing i want to see chang just like accidentally stumble into a great (laughs) one-man show yes like at the end collapse like breathing heavy covered in sweat like Mm -hmm. just can't even pull himself together i think that would have been incredible and I and I think that you know that they I, I understand why they went to the kind of wacky because everything else in this episode is substantially less wacky than mm-hmm. and they need a wacky element. I think the wacky element was better served by one let like they're like give me one more, give me one more, keep going, keep going, stepping back once from the ghost part and be like maybe the ghost stuff is a bit too much, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it is what it is. And I think it's, I think it's a fine enough, uh, thing. and you know, it, yeah, it, the, it, it gives really, you the gag at the end with the old timey photo club, right. which is very funny. Um, it's, but it's I, funny. Uh, but I, it's, I, I feel like Chang often goes to that kind of like, and even is called out by, uh, uh, <laughs> buddy. Buddy. <laughs> buddy, come here. Lear has his own opinions and he wants them to be shared. Uh, my cat feels that uh, the ghost plot was the best plot in the episode. Right. So, uh, and he wanted us all to know uh, that. Honestly, not wrong though. Um, <laughs> we just want it to be better. Um, no, it's, you know, I don't even remember what I was talking about. The cat distracted me enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much that came oh, through on right. audio, but it did sound like my cat was dying, and it's just a little bit. He, yeah, he wants his food, but he doesn't get food for another hour. Well, gonna have to wait. Uh, but what I was saying, what I was thinking about was that Chang often goes into that kind of insane, like literally insanity mood, right? To the where at the end, Annie's like, "Okay, if you're literally insane, you can't be part of this committee," which is a very funny thing to say. Um where it would be very funny for him to just be like super competent for once. Like he's, right. he's clearly competent in like Kitar and stuff like that, but it'd be like, I don't know if he's competent in Kitar. I've heard him play it. Um, well, okay. Uh, he's, and he, he's he does right. an okay Axel F, but it's not in particular uh, time with uh, any sort of tempo uh, known to mankind. Um, it's better than most everything else he's done. <laughs> I yeah, I mean I think the status quo of a community episode that has Chang in it is Chang has to be weird and insane at the end or by the right. end. Um and so an episode where, you- where he gives uh like the performance of his lifetime and he comes back on Monday like super hyped. Uh like it it breaks that status quo, but I mean, also just like you know, give Chang a win for once, right? I mean, yes, and I, and I, he did try to kill everyone and blow up the school uh, right. as an insane dictator, but you know, give him give him a little win. And Let I, him have I a one man show. A, a lot of this show ends up being subversion of expectations, uh, and I mean, a lot of comedy is subversion of expectations when you've built up Chang to be this kind of like emotionally unstable person and then immediately be like, but he's really good at, at, at like acting one man shows. Mm -hmm. And he's like super jazzed about it. First off, how, how many of us are mentally unstable and good at comedy? Uh, second, (laughs) um, 
it would just be very, very interesting in playing against type for Ken Jong to do that. And I think it would be really great. Right. Uh, but, but again, this is the best plot in the episode to me. So we're just nitpicking, I think. Uh huh. Um, let's talk about sort of the main plot of Duncan trying to get with Britta. Um, because yep. that's, that's why they're all at the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duncan asks Jeff for advice on how to get with her. And he's just like, pick one of her cause de jours and, uh, and like express interest in it. And then she will come to you. And mm-hmm. then, so he, he says he's going to this show, uh, to benefit starving kids with cleft palates and everyone else invites themselves along because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's what it's they the, do. It's the study group. Yeah, it's the of study group. It is. It's it's what they do. Um, Codependent. And yep. then uh, the he spends the rest of the episode like it's this weird thing where Britta because Britta sees some of her old anarchist friends. And then so she thinks that they sold out. But also in selling out like they they come off better than her because they have like money and to be able to resolve some of the you know pro- uh-huh. actual problems and stuff like that so and yeah. jeff is like trying to he's like yeah whatever like go be your weird depraved person trying to quote circle my ex until she cries um and uh but then when she starts getting recognition for being like a good person, he's kind of oddly interested in her again out of kind of nowhere. Yeah. Um, like I don't know. That feels so out of nowhere to me. We haven't had anything else in this season where like you see Jeff suddenly making eyes at Britta or whatever. He's just like, Oh, she's showing competence in a thing. And Duncan is interested. Therefore, right. I'm interested. Um, it very much feels like, <laughs> but she's mine. I have to do that. right? Like a, a possessive mm-hmm. thing rather than right. anything else. Then like that's actually real. And even to the point where I, I don't remember which one of them mentions it, but she's like, she's her own person. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeff no, does because he's actually like, grown as a human being somewhat um surprisingly um also on this uh i do want to um raise the question as to whether or not this episode was sponsored by casio because as a person who became a watch guy hashtag watch guy hashtag watch guy uh i noticed pretty early on that um duncan is wearing a casio g-shock which is like they're they're like Casio digital watches that are really you know yeah. rugged and and impact proof and you know. I'm pretty um, sure I know what they look like, but I'm just gonna do a quick Google. Which is it's a yep, weird, it's kind of a weird thing to wear out to a night at the theater, even if it's like you know community theater or whatever. Um, but also Duncan is a big enough dork that like I think he could yeah. he could probably pull that off. But then, oddly, Jeff is also wearing a Casio G-Shock. <laughs> and there's a whole plot point where he's like, 
Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you you have until like eleven or whatever time to to go after Britta, and if you don't get her by then, then I'm going after her. And so we see a very specific shot of the Casio G Shock, a watch yeah. that I have never seen Jeff wear ever in the history of Community. <laughs> A Just watch that, based on all of the other watches I have seen him wear on Community, is not his style. It is not a watch built for style. It's a watch built for nerds and people who, like, go hiking every weekend. Because, like, right. it's built to be, like, rugged. Why is he wearing a Casio G-Shock? Why are they both wearing a Casio G-Shock <laughs> to this theater event? Unless... The episode Unless. was sponsored by Casio to sell G-Shocks. What do you think, Mike? Um, certainly. Uh, you're like, I know no- what you're thinking, and it's get me out of this podcast. It's turned into a Watch Guy podcast. <laughs> no, but I, beyond I that, was, what do you think? What I was thinking was doing a quick search on the Wikipedia page for this episode to see Casio. Uh, it does not exist. Uh, so. <laughs> I don't Yeah, I checked I, I checked Wikipedia, I checked the <laughs> internetmoviedatabase.com. There is no mention of this episode being sponsored by Casio. Uh I'm going to do a whole ass Google search right now. Dun dun dun. dun. Community Season 5 Episode Episode What is this? 7 yes. sponsored by Casio. Um, I don't see anything on the Google that says that it was sponsored by Casio. So interesting, interesting. Um, so yeah, no, that's just that's my stupid like the the regrettable thing. <laughs> Your fixation. There are three. Of the week. There are three regrettable Ben's things about becoming a watch guy. The first regrettable thing is that you have to declare yourself as a watch guy. And that's never watch guy. That's never going to like make anyone think you're cool or interesting. The second is that um, you will spend at least a little bit more than you've ever expected on watches. Um, Sure. The third, you know, as a watch guy, you got to have the best. You got to have the best. And um, I certainly do not have the best because I don't make that kind of money. And even if I did, it's uh, none of my watches are that expensive. No. Um, The third is that you will spend way too much time every single time you see a watch in a television show or movie going, (laughs) hey, what's that guy wearing? Hey, what is that like? Like, I have not brought up many of the, the garish and gigantic watches that Jeff Winger likes to wear. Uh, Sure. But. I have noticed this one, every this single one, one zooms of them. In, bump on. <laughs> That's um, true. This one though zooms in on it very closely to show you. Uh huh. Well, it zooms um, in on it, and also it's a freaking Casio G Shock, a, <laughs> a ridiculously identifiable watch at a distance. Sure. Um, I, I I first off, I am so not a watch guy that I didn't even notice. <laughs> that what kind of watch it was i barely clocked that there was a watch on screen so i'm doing great you just um, blinked it. jeff checked the time somehow i yeah, don't remember he must how. have looked at he must have looked at the wall clock that was clearly there no uh, like 
I, 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 re- I recognize that it was a digital watch he checked. Uh-huh. And I think the important thing is because I think he said it's an hour. I'll give you an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on it. And then he must have set something on his Casio G-Shock for being like, <laughs> give me an hour. Uh-huh. A, um, thing, a and- thing that you can definitely do with a Casio G-Shock. I don't know if you can or not. I don't it, it, you know, who knows. And I'm sure like a digital uh, digital watch is not that different than a digital watch. Um uh, but but like set an hour on it and then it goes off at the time and it's very clear to to be able to uh, the reason he's wearing that or at least in my opinion is that the filmmakers like how are we going to show that a, a an hour is coming due? It's like I don't know, have him wear a digital clock th- or watch that had an mm-hmm. hour on it. Um, and I don't think they thought too much more about that. Probably not. Uh, they probably thought uh, one tiny iota a bit ab- about it. And I here I am on a f- freaking uh, a stump speech about Casio G-Shocks. I will say... Um, tiny iota? That guy could play. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I will say, um, also as a watch guy... <laughs> um, if uh, if you if you want to wear a watch and like get like have people be like, oh, man, that's cool. That's a great watch. Don't don't buy a freaking expensive watch because like the watch I get the most compliments on is my like twenty dollar old school 80s style Casio. Um, uh, it's an F91 W. Um, although I've got the metal version, but, uh, same, same difference, but like you, you, if, when I wear that watch, people are like, oh dude, that watch rules. I love it. It's so, so classic. And that thing will last forever. And it's so cool. Um, nobody else has ever commented on like any of my other watches. (laughs) So that's my, that's mine. Uh, that's my tip. And if Casio wants to sponsor this episode, Get at me, Casio. Yes, please tweet at Good Greendale. Okay, I'm done talking about watches. I promise. I, I promise I'm not going to turn <laughs> this into a watch guy podcast. Uh, just hold on really quick. Let me look at the time. Uh, it's been 30 minutes of watch talk. Uh, just kidding. Uh-huh. I mean, if I had set a, um, if I had set a timer <laughs> here on my... Um, uh, Casio twin sensor uh, watch that I have sitting on my desk here. Um, yeah. I could have told you exactly, um, but I did not. But it makes it makes beeps. Classic beep. <laughs> Classic beep. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. You good, love it. You, that's better fully than the good, good shuffle of outsourcing Mike's bits. I'm done talking about watches, at least until the next time Jeff wears a ludicrous watch that uh, requires attention. Um, I mean, if he's wearing ludicrous instead of all of his, his ludicrous his watches, wrist. instead of all of his ludicrous watches that don't warrant any attention, because all of them have been ludicrous. Anyways, go ahead. Right? If his if his watch like leans up and says Luda, I'm gonna say something about ludicrous on his wrist. You know, I love the word ludicrous, and I lament the fact that everyone immediately goes to um, the musical artist uh, every yeah. time I describe something as ludicrous. Um, but here, let me give you. But a that's counter- my cross to bear. So, if I can give you a counterpoint, it's very uh-huh. fun to just be Luda. It's very fun. 
Look, every the the thing about living in modern society, and maybe why I should go to the Amish place instead of the nudist place. Um, I, li- is, I like I like when you describe it as the Amish place, as if it's like a subset of the good place. The thing the the, the thing is is that um, modern society uh, just ruins so many like five dollar words because sure. you can't say you can't say ludicrous without people shouting luda. And you can't mm. you can't talk about something happening in a fortnight without people thinking you're talking about right. a video they game. Immediate, they immediately start hitting the gritty. It's it's insane. Um, it's wild. I can't so it. it's just you know you can't have any five dollar words in this. You want to talk about I mean, cancel think- culture? Five dollar words get canceled. <laughs> Left we around, going, I'm, and I'm we were, I'm gonna cut that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I we were going in same similar brainwaves because like five dollar words, more like six dollar words due to inflation. Am I right? <laughs> Boy, howdy. We uh, I I started talking about we the bu- word ludicrous, and then we got simultaneously satirically <laughs> political. Um, yeah, fantastic. It, we, that was very cat skills of us both. I suddenly regret stopping talking about watches. Uh, <laughs> At least watch talk is a, a differentiator for us in the community ski- sphere. So <sighs> Rita eventually does cry, just as, as Duncan mm-hmm. predicted, because she has this weird falling out with all of her old anarchist friends who she thinks are jerks and she also thinks she kind of sucks and so duncan uh duncan is there with his his handkerchief and gives her a hug and says hey let's get out of here and so they're driving back and he's definitely thinking about trying to hit that right but then it's it's bone town it's bone town but then last minute he's kind of like you know, I think I'm going to I'm going to take you home because like I think you just need to, you know, you you really yeah. need to reconnect with yourself cuz you know I don't remember what he said. It's surprisingly schmaltzy sort of stuff from Duncan about how like yeah. Britta needs to uh have a little bit more pride in herself and like, you know, really respect herself. Um Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically it comes from Duncan realizing that the only friend he's got is really Jeff and they're not really all that good of friends. Um, and then decides not to take, uh, advantage of her um, vulnerability in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to point out, uh, Wikipedia has a very funny sentence for why Britta's friends, uh, have a falling out with her. Um, this soon happens when Britta's friends mock her for maintaining radical tendencies while they have become bourgeois. Okay. It's very okay. funny to me. <clears throat> it's true. Um, it's hilarious, but it's funny to me. Um, so then yeah. uh, Duncan drops Britta off at home and he goes back to the bar to just have a drink with Jeff where they talk about sports cars and I presume also go, hey, samesies with their uh, Casio G-Shocks um, and just talk yes. about watches a whole bunch. And apparently they try to um, whittle at later on uh, and they, they both hurt themselves. Uh-huh. Uh, weird choice. Um, but I don't know. That's what manly men do, I guess. I wouldn't know. Manly men gotta just carve things out of wood. It's true. Yep. It's what, it's what manly men do. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And the only other plot left is the Abed plot, which is fine. Uh, Abed. (laughs) And we're done. Rather than go to this show, Abed wants to go to the premiere of a Kick Puncher movie. He has made the original Kick Puncher costume, not the new one. It's very important. They didn't need to make Um, the remake. He's wandering through the halls of the school at night um being kick puncher and he runs into and Hickey he's also in his office. sad that Troy's no longer there. Yeah, he's like that's looking true. over I mean, and being like, like this would be something I would be doing with Troy. That's that's like the weird thing about this plot because like you have that moment where it's like clearly this is kind of about Abed having to adjust without Troy there because you're right. This is a thing that he would have done with Troy. If Troy were there, they would have hang, hung out while Abed built this costume. They would have both gone to the kick puncher thing together. Um, and everyone would have been happy. Um, except for Abed because the new kick puncher costume is bad. Right. He but still would have enjoyed the movie. But he would have had that chip on his shoulder because that's right. that's Abed. But instead, he, there's a shot of like Troy's empty chair. And then he's wandering the school alone in this kick puncher costume but then the whole thing like because the plot is he runs into hickey's office uh because he hears hickey working on something and it's his duck cartoon and abed is like i made this and he's so excited and he's trying to show it off which you know fair i mean that ties back into the troy thing because troy is not there to like show this off to but um he, and also there is a there is a glue gun incident uh that if he told it would overshadow the story that's happening right now but I think I'd prefer to see that instead because that sounds more interesting than this. I do want some info on the glue gun incident. Um so the last thing he shows is is the um the the foam sprayer which ruins all of Hickey's duck drawings and mm-hmm. Hickey gets mad and handcuffs him to a filing cabinet so that he misses the movie as punishment to finally do what no one else has done, which is to make Abed have consequences. Which, in fairness, very few people have ever made Abed have any consequences of of note on this show. That's fair. Yes, I that's, don't that know that. Fair. I don't know that handcuffing a student to a filing cabinet uh, in the school after hours. Is really the right way to do it. <laughs> That's if nothing yeah, else from a legal not. standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems problematic they, at the very, the very best. Uh huh. They have some dialogue, and you know, emotions are thrown around, and there's yelling, and Abed misses his movie, and. We get to see Hickey's drawings, uh, which are not good. Um, I would argue that the drawings are good. The the scripts are bad. I would say that the drawings are not good. Um, and I would say that the scripts are terrible. <laughs> Fair. Um, I think we're both on the same point of like the one is clearly te- worse than the other. Uh, all of the all of the comics end with the duck either just. Sorry, his name is Jim. Jim the Duck. Yeah, Jim the Duck, thank you. Jim the Duck either thinks or says aloud, what the hell? And that's like the punchline to every 
uh, every comic. Like the first one is like he's at the grocery store at in the express lane and the checker's like, oh, this is only you have 14 items or less. And he's like, well, I've got I've got 14 items. And she's like, each each individual banana counts as one item. And then he's like, what the hell? And mm-hmm. which is simultaneously it's simultaneously not a good comic, but also exactly what I expect from about 20% of every comic in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. The not, um, this this reminds me of uh, uh I never saw that in the the see you in the funny papers bit where it's we just did we just did the funny papers bit of describing this this comic and it's not funny. I feel like there's a there's there's stages of reading the the comics in the newspaper because okay. I feel like when you're a kid you know you get you 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 swipe the comics from the the newspaper sure um and then you you read them all but really like you're there for like Garfield because he's a fat cat who loves lasagna and that's like funny to and a hates Mondays. He hates Mondays. Uh, um, the Mondays are the worst, and lasagna is the best. Exactly. Brought to you by the Lasagna Council. And but then you get a little older, and like some of some of the comics start actually like uh, having meaning to you. Not all of them. Doonesbury was always a thing where it's just like, I, what is all I this? Love- <laughs> what is all this <laughs> politics in my? I don't understand any of we this. Both- both went to Doonesbury. <laughs> well, yeah. What else are you going to... Because so it's... stupid. Why? Wedged, who cares? Wedged between a fat cat who loves lasagna and hates Mondays and kicks dogs off of tables <laughs> and a, a great Dane who runs around and gets into trouble. Right, wedged right in between there is Ugh. President Bush. Can you Do you care to comment on uh, latest trends in the war in afghanistan like what why why is that in there (laughs) why (laughs) i agree i agree i i've never understood dunesbury it's so it's so why (laughs) um but then you get a little bit older and then you're like okay well i've kind of i mean not everyone but like i like Okay, I don't really I don't really care about Garfield anymore. Like he's been fat and loves I've, lasagna since before I was born. I, like, I've grown okay. out of lasagna. Oh, I will never grow out of lasagna. <laughs> For the record. Um For the record, lasagnacouncil.com. Lasagnacouncil.org. Thank oh, you. Oh dang it. You know what? I've I, I it's been so long since they sponsored us, I forgot. So <laughs> that reminds me, uh a tangent to my tangent. <laughs> I tweeted about how I made biscuits and gravy for breakfast on Sunday. Okay. And this this Twitter account called like Official Biscuits and Gravy liked it. And I looked at the Twitter account and it's just a Twitter account that tweets about biscuits and gravy. And it has a website, biscuitsandgravy.org. And my very first thought was like, who the hell does this? And then I remembered... That I have a Twitter account called Lasagna Council and own the website lasagnacouncil.org. It's the same bit, right down to right. the .org. 
Same were, we, bit. It's the same bit. And my immediate thought was like, who the hell? What is, what the hell is this? And I was like, oh, right. That's exactly my same bit thrown into yeah. my face. Okay, yeah, cool. But, but we just didn't hear the podcast where they came up with the biscuits and gravy council or whatever. Um. So anyways, um. You know, you you outgrow Garfield or whatever, or uh-huh. like you start you start getting into zits. It's great. I love zits y- still, by the way. Z- zits was always very funny. Um, or uh, Foxtrot. I'm a fan of Foxtrot. Sure. Um, like I literally pulled up zits, uh, and it's actually a pretty good comic today. Uh, but then like you hit a point where you're just like, all right, four of these comics are are <laughs> even remotely interesting. Two of them are funny. Everything else is a waste of paper. Um, that's sort of like I can't the believe they 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 used color ink on Doonesbury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's still my um, opinion, by the way. They use color ink on that. Come so on. let let us know what your favorite comic was and which comics you just never got. If, if we don't, if you understand why Doonesbury exists and enjoy it, please tell us about it. Because I just don't get like. I know I'm I I'm an intelligent person. I like to think. I I I I am a I like comedy, but Doonesbury is just a waste of time for me. I need mm-hmm. I I clearly need help about the Doonesbury help if you will. Uh-huh. About the Doonesbury cinematic universe. Um Oh my god, that's I've never <laughs> wanted anything less. Um Golly. Okay. All that to say I think Hickey's Hickey. He needs to work on his on his drawings a little bit. I think okay. they're a little bit. Well, now here's the thing: modern comics, it's a little bit rough. If you go back like a bunch of years, um, I recently saw something about like Kathy comics, and if you go back and look at the original Kathy comics, they are n- drawn worse than the. Um, than than uh jim the duck um as kathy got like as kathy went on it definitely the production value went up uh they they were not as poorly drawn as jim the duck but the original like look up um original kathy cartoon uh, comic oh i know where it was i was watching weird history's timeline of 1976 that's why I was like, why was I looking up Kathy stuff? And it, I didn't. I watched Weird Timeline 1976. Um, I, uh, uh, hmm. I seem to have uncovered a Facebook page for Jim the Duck where somebody has uh, created their whole, like, created a whole set of Jim the Ducks uh comics. Okay. Um and yes, it always ends with what the hell, but somebody clearly has enjoyed this. I like, mean, look, as someone's someone's always going to enjoy a comic. Someone out yeah. there likes Doonesbury. They have they, to because <laughs> they have to. It it existed in papers. Um also, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna drop an image to you because <laughs> I. Oh, I was I just about to, to s- drop an image to you because I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop the one of the original Kathy. Um, okay, there's a Jim the Duck that I found. Okay, I'm gonna look at this Kathy while you look at the Jim the Duck. 
Oh wow, Kathy is doesn't even have a corporeal form. Just vague hair. Uh-huh. Editorial note. At this point, Mike sent me a comic for Jim the Duck titled Should Have Stayed at Home Day. In the first frame, Jim the Duck is pulling off a page from his page-a-day calendar, and he says, It's Monday already. I hate Mondays. In the second frame, the page, Monday, January 6th, the page responds, And I hate you. And in the third page, Jim the Duck looks at the reader and says, what the hell? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Um, so... Oh, oh, wait, hold on. This was uh, January 6, 2014, if that helps. Uh-huh, yep, nope, I... I realized... I, I, I needed I that context. a little bit too late. Uh, what, what... <laughs> Uh, I very much needed that context. <laughs> Where was Jim the Duck on January 6th, 2021? <laughs> we need to know. God, no. Oh, God. It's a good question, and you shouldn't stop asking it. Oh, I was like, why is January 6th so <laughs> prominent? <laughs> why does it? It's it's hitting something in my brain. Oh, well, I'll just send it over to Ben anyway. Thanks, dude. Uh, Love it. <laughs> no, I, I thought I was giving you the least interesting one, and yet somehow I found the most interesting one. <laughs> oh, um, God. Oh Lord! Uh, so that, that uh, at the time that got three likes on Facebook. By the way, okay. Um, so eight years ago. <laughs> anyways, all that to say uh, that uh, I think I think Jim the Duck could probably make it into into comics just because most comics are not good. Um, that's my weird, that's my weird hot take, uh, as the kid who always used to grab the comics pages and be like, these are all funny except for Doonesbury, which I don't understand, even though realistically I'm like 10 and I don't understand half of these, but I'm going to, at least, you know, at least they, I, at 10, you can see why the comics are, are supposed to be funny, even if you don't always like get it. Right. Except like, for clearly, Doonesbury, because clearly like, that Viking shouldn't be going to a mall, right? Um, clearly, the family circus kid runs around a lot, and that's that's funny. He clearly that's like that's that's the joke. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Jim the Duck, not a great comic, but Abed ruins a bunch of them. <laughs> Uh, he sure did. He with, ruins with five hours of work with foam. his foam gun. Uh, and then he gets handcuffed to the the thing. They have a whole dialogue about it and they apologize to each other. And that's the plot. Do we have anything else we want to talk about in that Abed plot? Uh, it, it, Abed does bring over afterwards a, a, a copy of a script he wrote of a procedural, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and Troy... Troy had apparently thought it was hilarious, but it wasn't meant to be a comedy. 
Um, so it was like, maybe we could improve each other by, you know, not by being like, Hey, that's not funny at all. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, everyone reconvenes, um, the next day or Monday, whatever. Um, they reconvene back at the school. Sure. Um, Abed and Hickey are, uh, friendly. They're talking about guns. Um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how to write a cop, uh, show. Um, and we do, we do get a, um, we like, Jeff and Duncan come in and they're all buddy buddy and they talk about how they whittled and talked about cars and I presume Casio G shocks. Uh, uh, this episode brought to you by Casio. Um, and then I, I um, wanted to see that check first. Shirley's like, well, you know, I'm sure it, I'm sure it's just nice to be invited. And then uh, Annie does say like, well, you know, we've we've seen a lot of uh, or we've had we've our had fair a share of focus, of focus yeah. lately. And then Shirley is immediately like, speak for yourself, which is some weird acknowledgement from the show how much they <laughs> sideline Shirley. Yeah, it's it's like it's funny and sad all at the same time that the only way that you can get Shirley as the focus of an episode is for Shirley to make fun of you directly, a character making fun of the writing staff. Right. Um, so I, I did find that, uh, I did find that interesting. Um, Britta had a, uh, an evening by herself, just, um, you know, which is great. It's important to like, yeah, self-care, have time for you. Um, that's when Chang shows up and asks, uh, oh, do you believe in ghosts? And if you do, do you believe the things they say about other ghosts? And then, um, Britta recommends he do what she did, which was to go home, light some candles, take a bath. Um, and then that's when we get that reveal of the old timey looking photo that suggests that whole audience was ghosts. But really, it was the old timey photos club. Right. Um, uh, at, that's that's the end of the episode. But we also get the tag, which is basically just the Dean and Duncan making like vocalizations at each other while it's like trying to figure out like, cause Duncan's trying to like, what's that Tex-Mex place you said? I'm going to go to lunch. And the Dean assuming that was a lunch conversation. And they're like, uh, 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 and it's, 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 it's quite good. It's possibly the best part of the episode. It's the essence of social anxiety. Yeah, um, oh, yes, absolutely. It is because that's how I, if you if you ever talk to me, like if you were to see me on the street and you're like, oh, hey, it's Ben from Hit Podcast, Good Morning Greendale and Back to the Futurama. Um, wh what's up? How's it going? No matter how cool I sound, I promise you that that scene is what's going on inside of me um, right. for one reason or another. Um because, like, you may think, oh, this is a cool guy who, like, does podcasts, which, first of all, that doesn't exist. But uh, <laughs> here's a cool guy who does podcasts <laughs> and self-burn. And also, uh, you know, he 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 talks into a microphone. So, like, 
he's he's he would choose to go to the nudist colony over the Amish uh, 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 colony. It's not. How how did the question ask it? Hold on. I got to go dig the card out of the garbage now. Legitimately, I threw it in the garbage every 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 time. Uh, Spend a year living at the nudist colony or within the Amish community. Within the Amish community, he chose oh. he chose yeah, the like nudist how, colony. <laughs> the word that is the show that we're talking about, you forgot. Uh huh. He chose the the nudist colony over the Amish community. Um, he <laughs> he has no fear of anything. Um, and meanwhile, I'm dying inside. Um. I I listen I listen to the podcast Get Played and I mm-hmm. actually I called their voicemail and left them a voicemail. Oh wow. Um which they did not use, which is fine. Um sure. But uh had they played the voicemail, you would be like, "Whoa, is that Ben?" because it sounds like a dude pacing around his kitchen trying to not throw up. And it was because I was pacing around my kitchen trying to not throw up. Because when faced with any sort of social anything, uh, I immediately die inside. And a uh, Jim Rash and um, uh, John Oliver uh, awkwardly make noises at each other. And somehow that turns into things I say in the English language. And um, so, yeah. Probably um, a good thing they didn't use the audio because it did sound like a person pacing their their kitchen trying to not throw up. Um, and um, I want to know more about the voicemail because we'll never get it on Get Played. But I do want to know what the topic was. Um, it was mostly an excuse to talk about Eternal Darkness uh, because ah. uh, they recently played the game, the VR game Blair Witch and right. Heather... Heather was like, because Blair Witch was this like weird, uh, you know, it was supposed to be this like found media sort yeah. of thing. And the game very obviously should have like just like the movie played with um, the played with the format. Right. Uh, of film. The Blair Witch game should have played with the format of video games and like corrupt, Which is what like, Eternal Darkness make it did. look like the VR headsets corrupted or like, you know, whatever. And so I was like, oh, yeah, you know, when when Heather said that, I immediately thought of Eternal Darkness because that's what it did. Like it, it right. sometimes it'd be funny stuff like your head falls off and uh, starts reciting Shakespeare. And sometimes it would really mess with you by like pretending to turn the TV off or you'd walk into a room and start getting attacked by zombies. And it'd be like your controller uh, got unplugged. Um, and even though. I, I was so nervous. I forgot to mention this anecdote. Um, well, this one's but, just for our podcast, not for theirs. But um, even though I know I've the whole been on the podcast, get played Weiger. Come on. Uh, also, Heather and Matt are cool. Um, there you go. But I somehow, for whatever reason, I just assumed Weiger has the ability to bring guests on. Um, so uh, even though I know that the whole premise of the game is like, it it messes with you and like pulls these these kind of pranks on you. Um, I was uh, house sitting for my mom once um, when I was in like 
when I was in high school and I brought my GameCube over and was playing Eternal Darkness. And um, I it was the first time I'd ever played a game on like a, a surround sound system. So all of the like sure. weird screaming in the background was surround sound. The dogs kept barking at something outside, which was really starting to unnerve me because I was playing this this spooky, scary game. Yeah. And then um, I walked into a, in the game, I walked into a room and then the TV turned off. And because the dogs had been like kind of hopping off and on the couch to like go bark at stuff outside, which was already weirding me out, uh, the, the TV turned off and I was like, oh, crap, oh, crap. And I start like l- like digging up all the blankets the dogs are on because I'm like, oh, they turned they hit the power button on the T. Te- they turned it off. And then the TV comes back on and it's like. This can't be happening, uh, which is what they say when like the characters are like, oh, this weird effect happened. So uh, I was like, oh, damn it, game. You got me. You, you got, got me. me. Most, dang it, dogs. You, they got you got me on the game because of it. Um. So, yeah, I think, you know, and I have said before that if Eternal Darkness didn't do all the weird cutesy stuff like throwing you a blue screen of death on a Nintendo GameCube and your head falls off and recites Hamlet. If it was just scary things and things that make you think that like your TV turned off and nothing out and like nothing was funny about it, it would be the scariest thing I have ever (laughs) witnessed in my entire life. Sure. Because that was bonkers and so if they did that in a like Blair Witch VR video game where like it starts messing with you it would be the scariest thing mankind has ever created and mankind has created Doonesbury so um (laughs) I think that's the end of the episode yeah (laughs) and that means (laughs) that it is time for Doonesbury so yeah now that we're in doonesbury i can really let loose on my feelings uh you know this episode's fine i think the uh, the overarching plot of duncan being an entire like jerk uh, uh basically just treating uh friendship with britta as a way to get to pants um or or the the visa v off of off of pants um, a way to get to pants. Okay. <laughs> Look, I, I've had if you if you've listened to Back to the Futurama, you know I've had really difficult time when it comes to pants and and shirts and what to describe them as. Next time one of next time one of my boys is like, "Yo, I'm gonna go uh, go out to the clubs," and I'm like, "Oh, trying to get to pants," First and then I'll be off, like, "Yeah," and I'll be like, have- "Make sure you bring some condoms. Safe sex is important." I have so many questions uh, considering I believe I am I am one of your boys <laughs> and I do not go um, to clubs or try to get in pants. Get two pants, uh-huh. sorry. Uh-huh. Regardless, this is Doonesbury time, so let's talk. <laughs> let me let's get back to get let's get back to business. Literally, let's get back to business because that's what Doonesbury's about. Let's um, let's get back to late nineties and early two thousands political discourse in comic form. Go ahead. Right. So yeah, I I think uh, because of that kind of like lingering grossness, it 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 allows Duncan growth potential. But 
I, I I feel like it's just kind of overweighed by how gross like it 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 feels predatory in a little bit uh, of a way. Uh, not not you know light predator predatory if that makes sense. Um, by by basically going to try to take advantage of her, of her being vulnerable, um, which is the definition of predatory. All right, enough mm-hmm. of that. Um, Chang doing the one man show, incredible. Uh, backing off of that into the ghost i think we've discussed that at length um i would have preferred uh, uh, what i what we described of him like doing these wildly outlandish stories and then ending up as like surprisingly has done the most amazing one-man show in the history of the world um and yeah like the uh the abed hickey story kind of exists it was kind of a way to uh, you know, get something on there for Abed and uh, Hickey that they would never have gone to this show. So that makes sense. But it just, it's, uh, it j- exists. It it kind of feels like it's create, uh, taking up time more than anything else. Like it's clearly, we'll do, we'll put these two together so that they have some kind of relationship, which is fine. It just, it it, it, it it doesn't come as gracefully as I'm going to say this and I'm, I might pull it back almost immediately. But when Britta and Hickey make that ally during the um, the Florida's lava game, that made way more sense than this does to me for that relationship. Okay. Um, so it just it, it didn't work for me, um, although we did get a lot of Jim the Duck, which is very exciting, as always. So, yeah, it's. It's it's an all right episode. It's got funny bits, um, but kind of overall, not really a huge fan of it. Um, I don't know. I was I was going for a B, but I think. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 got Chang doing a one man show. It's a B minus. I'll give it a B minus because Chang is so good in this episode, even even with the ghost story being not my choice. It's still very good. B minus. And also okay. got it. Got to give it up for the Casio G shock. Uh-huh. Uh, Casio, if you want to advertise on this podcast, let me know. Um, here are a few interesting facts about the comic Doonesbury. Um, it is, it is still running today. I am regretting uh, saying Doonesbury for the intro of the grade segment. The original, uh, launch date of, Dunes. Wikipedia def- describes it as a launch date. Um, I would probably <laughs> say first publication, but that's fine. The launch date of Dunesbury was October 26, 1970, which was 51 years ago. Jeez. Now, there have been some hiatuses, some hiatai. Nope. Um, so there have been some hiatuses, but it is right. it is a 51-year-old comic strip that is still running today. Anyways, uh, my grades for this episode, uh, I'm closing the, t- the Doonesbury tab of Wikipedia here. My grades for this episode is that I think it's an okay episode. I feel like we are still in a kind of trying to figure out community without Troy thing, because I feel like they are bringing Duncan back. He is getting more screen time than he has gotten in seasons. Yes. Um, he is sitting in the chair at the table next to Jeff. He's 
he like he's he's kind of a character now and i f- i feel like maybe in a world where you have you have lost troy are you kind of auditioning new, uh replacement characters for troy because right it's weird to be like troy left two episodes ago and now here's a very Duncan heavy episode, a guy we haven't seen since season two, pretty much. Right. Um, and it is also like because Duncan has always been creepy. Um, That's true. And so having a story where, yeah, he's creepy. But at the last minute, he's like, you know what? I'm not I'm not going to be creepy to Britta. I'm going to drop her off at her place. I'm going to go back and have a few drinks with with my boy Jeff um, and talk about sports cars and Casio Casio Mm G-Shocks. And then Um, cut ourselves whittling. uh, Like manly men. Manly, Um, manly men. And so, I don't know. It just feels... It feels a little lost. Um, And I don't think it's not funny. I do think that the... Chang's uh C plot is probably the funniest thing in the episode. Yeah. Um but I, overall I feel like the episode is a little bit lost and just kind of trying to find itself after missing Troy. Like we definitely we get some moments, some brief moments where Abed is finally kind of reconciling with Troy being gone. But mostly it's just him and Hickey yelling at each other. Um, right. Britta gets upset about, you know, this run in with her her past anarchist friends and gets emotional about it. Jeff, out of the blue, is like, I'm interested in Britta again. Like, where does right. that come from? So I feel like this episode is kind of just throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. And in that way, I don't really think it works that well as an episode. Like it's not bad, but it, it feels, it feels like it's trying to find what comes next. And it makes it feel a little incomplete. It makes it feel like a lot of stuff's kind of coming out of nowhere. The fact that Jeff all of a sudden is just like, yo, I want Britta again. Sure. A thing like because, yeah, maybe it is just he sees Duncan going after her, which he's always done, by the way. Um, But maybe he sees him going after her and maybe standing a chance with her where he is like, no, she has to be mine. The doggone girl is mine. Right. Um, Uh, So it's just weird. I think partially it's because she's in a group where she's a popular person now. She's popular with her old friends. And that is turning him on. But yeah, it's it's out of nowhere. It's out of nowhere. So yeah, I think it's fine. It's a C. It's it's got its funny points. I don't hate it, but it's it it feels it's a very lost episode. It is trying to find it's trying to find the path forward. Yeah. And you know, like if they ended up using any like if Duncan became a main character or if we started up another plot where like, oh, uh, Jeff is interested in Britta again. Like, 
spoilers, next episode, he's not like <laughs> it just goes away again. Um it's weird. It's just it's very weird. Um so yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give it a C. Um Yeah, okay. That that I think you're probably right. Um I'll I'll move down to a C plus because I you're right. It it does feel disjointed a little bit and throwing everything out. I think I just got blinded by the Chang. Blinded <laughs> by the Chang. Wrapped up with a ghost. Another one man show in the night. We did it. No. So we want to know what you think about this episode, about uh, the Casio G-Shock, proud sponsor of this podcast. Legal disclaimer, not really a sponsor. Um, Could be. Could be. Hit me up, Casio. Um, Uh, Would you rather spend a year living in a nudist colony or with the Amish community? Mm-hmm. Look, Casio, I have been I have been looking at your uh, Casio Duros. So, like, if you want to send me one of those uh-huh. bad boys, I'll I'll review it right here on the podcast. It will lose. It will tank all of the listeners of this podcast. No one will listen to it again. Uh, but Welcome I will do good- it for <laughs> a fifty dollar quartz watch. Uh, apparently, is what I'm willing to sell myself out for. Welcome to Good Morning Greendale, <laughs> the best community and watch uh, podcast on the internet. We want to know what you think about Doonesbury, about your favorite comics, your least favorite comics. We want to know what you think about Jim the Duck. Is it a good what comic? You, what do you think about Jeffy from The Family Circus? Uh, we want to know all these things and more. Um, you can let us know by tweeting at Good Greendale. Uh, you can find us on the internet at GoodMorningGreendale.com where there's a contact form to send us an email. Um, do not send any photos of your choice in the nudist colony versus Amish community debate. Uh, please. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you can find us on... Patreon at patreon.com slash back to Futurama. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this very watch heavy uh, episode of Good Morning Greendale. Um, and uh, hope hopefully something put a smile on your face because, you know, I think you deserve it. You're worth it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And until next time, I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. I I'm Jim the luck. Duck. <laughs>